Welcome to the Imperfectly Perfect Campaign, sharing real-life stories from real people to unite them in global change for the face of mental health. We will also reduce the stigma, creating communication, healing, and awareness to save lives and inspire. Join us weekly as we talk to some of the highly acclaimed faces, influencers, experts, and others who have been through extreme adversity. All right, guys, so welcome to another episode of the Imperfectly Perfect podcast. Excited for this one. It's somebody that I met about three years ago at the gym. Just turns out to be one of Hollywood's biggest actors, but uh, I'm going to go into his bio, then we're going to get into a, a short fire round of questions. So Ricky Whittle was born in Oldham, Lancashire, so he's a Lancashire lad. His father was in the Royal Air Force, which meant traveling the world to different bases. He was scouted to play as a, a professional footballer for Arsenal and Celtic football clubs but this was thwarted by injury and instead he went to Southampton University to read law wow whilst there he began modeling that's where you get those uh, modeling looks from right and became the face of Reebok for 2000 he then moved into acting with a role in the football soap dream team in 2007 he hit British screens with one of my all-time soaps Hollyoaks so that takes me back to the Sunday morning hangover omnibuses Every Sunday um, morning, hungover TV. May. In 2010, he made the decision to chase his ambitions all the way to LA. In 2014, after appearances on TV drama, Mistresses and blockbuster movie Edge of Tomorrow, he got his big US break as a recurring supporter role in sci-fi drama The 100, my wife's favorite show. In 2017, he hit the lead role of Shadow Moon in the Stars television series American Gods. Story primarily revolves around a war brewing between the old gods of ancient myth- mythological roots and the new gods of modern technology. Okay, so before we get started, I just one thing that I read that I loved what you said about the show was its ability to raise awareness. What I'm doing through the campaign, you had said we have various races, cultures, genders, sexual orientations. We don't pick sides, say one's good or bad. We say everyone can coexist. If you believe in your god, it doesn't mean my god doesn't exist, they coexist. I think that's amazing, mate. So firstly, welcome to the show, Ricky. Thank you for having me. And can't believe you just shamed me. And it's like, we met in the gym. Of course we met in the gym. Like Ricky's (laughs) always in the gym. I don't go to the gym that much. It just so happened we met. Yeah, you well, know, you could have lied. You could have gone, I met Ricky in the library. He was in the self-help section. uh... (laughs) (laughs) Whilst I was in the section about anything else i don't know it it's uh, i could have said and i'll tell you my my quickest thing when i was in la i got invited to an out of season emmy event and this guy came running up to me and he was like what are you doing here at first i went to oh shit like i should not be here or something like that. and he said he said oh no you're not him are you and i was like who he was like simon Pegg. Honestly, mate, I get mistaken for Simon Pegg and Ronan Keith. As soon as you started that story, I was like, Simon Pegg, maybe? And you said, oh my God, that is brilliant. <laughs> I get it all the time between I him and Ronan I can't believe Keith. I didn't clock that before. Dude. I'm disappointed with myself, quite frankly. Well, you know <laughs> what? Well, the first time I met you, I was, I was training at gyms and um, Gold's Gym, and I heard the, uh, the Yorkshire accent, right? So, funny story was. Can you remember, it was a couple of days after, I'd got to know you a little bit, and I walked in the gym with a friend who's Australian. And we walked in, and you were so welcoming, and you was like, Glenn, dude, and you give me this man, light and shake. And after you'd walked out of that place, my mate goes to me, do you know who that is? And I was like, yeah, Ricky. He was like, no, seriously, dude, do you know who that is? And I'm like, 
yeah, it's Ricky. He was like, he's fucking Ricky Whittle. I'm like, yeah, it's Ricky from the gym. He was like, he's only the biggest actor. In- <laughs> <laughs> I was like, the biggest actor from Oldham. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> from Shore Road so, Estate. The biggest actor what? in Shore Road. Oh, well, you train hard with Mike. It's, uh, I was impressed with that. I used to, he used to take all the bloody weights though for the leg press. Oh, I, I can't lie. I mean, American Gods is, in, in several ways, has really, truly blessed and changed my life um, on so many levels. But physically, you know, I, 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 I don't know about kilograms anymore. I've been in America for too long, so everything's in pounds because it's just easier to work with the Americans. Um, but I went from 165 pounds up to 215 pounds because Shadow Moon's got to be this huge, like, monster of, a, of an ex-con. And in the very beginning of the book, by Neil Gaiman, it's a, an adaptation from Neil Gaiman's incredible novel, award-winning novel. The first few lines are um, big enough and, can you swear on this? Yeah, of course you can. <laughs> it's, it's Neil Gaiman's words, so technically it's him swearing, not me. It's big enough and don't fuck with him uh, enough to, to get through jail without having to worry about anything but time. Mm. So I had to really bulk up for that role, which involved kind of getting myself a trainer for the first time. Um, and so, you know, scaring around, uh, you know, the gyms, you, you kind of look for, for people that um, can help with that. And although they, at first they took me to Unbreakable Gym, which is a, a fantastic gym in, in Hollywood, and they kind of packed on the pounds there. And then where, where you saw me kind of bulking up for, for season two was um, Mike Ryan. And he trained, you know, Mickey Rourke, uh, Dwayne Johnson. You know, he's, he's trained some, some big dudes. And, I mean, you know, he's like 60, 60-something, 60 white hair. He's Santa on steroids. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's so jacked. Like, this guy's in his 60s, and he is absolutely chiseled out of stone. And so I was like, I reckon this guy might know what he's talking about. <laughs> and so he's from Boston. And he's like the most crass, crude, loud, fun dude you could ever meet. And he's just like, pick up the fucking weight. Ah, what are you talking about? Lift the things, you pussy. Ah, you skinny bitch. Like he, he just bullies you into lifting more and more and more. Yeah. But he gets results. And, you know, I really packed on the muscle working with him. And one of the big things was, was core exercises. And, and I ended up lifting real heavy especially when it came to the leg press and and because he kind of found it as like a little badge of honor because yeah. in gold's gym you've got people who go there for novelty value gold's gym's a famous gym and so it's where arnold schwarzenegger worked worked out and he still works out to this day you know about yeah. seven o'clock in the morning he's in there he's great lovely dude um but it, you can have people that go like once a year once a month to athletes fitness models to full-on bodybuilders phil heath kind of schwarzenegger bodybuilders yeah but the thing is is everyone lifts very different and sometimes you get these guys in there that are just there for the show mm. and so they come in with it that they're literally wearing pieces of string like yeah. just to get past the, <laughs> yeah. the, the you have to wear a shirt rule and, and you're just like dude you're not even wearing a shirt you're wearing candy you're wearing dental floss right now. It's like, what are you doing? Covering their nipples. That's it. It's, it's covering your nipples and you don't even have tip tape. Come on. Uh, uh, and, but, but when you hear them lifting, they need the whole gym to know. And so they're just like, oh, 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 
likes to like, look at these fucking idiots. Right, go and do a set with them. Because I don't know why, but Mike calls it bug strength. He says I, I lift like a bug. I've got bug ant strength. Right. Because for some reason, I can just lift a lot, especially with my legs. And even though he rips my legs for having schoolgirl legs, yeah. he's like, you can outlift these dudes. And so they're lifting half the way I'm doing, screaming the gym up. Yeah. And so he'd call over and go, hey, fucking pussy, check my guy out. As I silently lift like more than twice whatever they're pushing. He, wow. he's, just, he's just a fun guy. He's crazy, absolutely crazy. But, you know, Gold's Gym's, uh, it's, you can understand why it's a, it's a famous kind of tourist attraction in, in L.A. It's a lot of fun, a lot of crazy. The, the biggest, most beautiful, terrifying crazies go to Gold's Gym. But it's a beautiful community, isn't it, as well? Like when you get it, surpri it surprised me, you know, because when I saw when I when I went to hire uh, Mike Ryan, I thought and he told me oh, I work out Gold's Gym mm -hmm. in Venice, and I was like, ah, oh, I don't want to go to Gold's Gym. It's just all steroids and like weights, heads, and yeah. stuff like that. After I've just told the story about a bodybuilder with strings, <laughs> um, but then you get there and it literally is full of people just like loving life yeah. you know everyone's just there having fun like if you're lifting someone will just like and it's not like a come on it's not like when you go to oh god you go to these equinox gyms and things like that in in west hollywood and you i've got a rule <laughs> this is a rule that i think most women have if you've got headphones on or earphones and both mean do not talk to me unless i'm on fire yeah if you've got one maybe you want to work in and then if you've got none in, then you're fair game. Because everyone tries to hit on everyone yeah. in the Equinox gyms and in those kind of Hollywood gyms. So Gold's Gym's not really like that. People are just there to actually train. And when someone taps you on the shoulder, it's usually like some sort of advice or a compliment. Yeah. Without that need to kind of get in your pants sort of thing. It's, it, it really took me back. You know, you've got these big guys and, and girls and stuff who are just like, saying they'll just say hi to say hi and what you're working on today oh cool have a great day yeah, and you know it's it's a great community like you say you know it, re it really surprised me and you know a lot of these a lot of the big dudes as well are always like you know i'll ask them i'm like dude i don't even know what that muscle is but that's a muscle on top of a muscle that i've got how'd you do that and they'll <laughs> yeah. just take you through it they're uh, really good people i recommend anyone to go and check that out for a day I, I love that place. Um, one of the things that used to confuse me, though, because I was on vacation, but I'd go for about three months. It was like... <laughs> Three-month vacation. Well, you know what I mean. I was going over there. That's moving house, bro. So <laughs> I'd, I'd go primarily in the morning, and I'd go back in the afternoon later, but I'd see the same faces, and I was like, it confused me. I was like, what do you do for a job? Like, yeah. do you not work here? And then some of them was like, oh, I'm an influencer. And I'm like, what are you influencing? <laughs> Each to their own. But they were there all day. I, I'll, to this day, I'll never understand that tag, like, on social media. I don't get like, that's, that's what, <laughs> I'm going to upset people, but that's, like, one of my huge turn-offs. Like, if, 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 if you check out someone's social media and it's like, uh, I'm a public figure, or I'm an influencer. I'm just like, nah, I'm good. Because yeah. <laughs> I think it's different when it comes from, and the people you, you now get to associate with them, that there's a difference between an influencer or an influential person. Exactly. And, and that's the thing. And, it's, and for me, 
you know, when, when, when I grew up, you know, I don't want to like show my age here, but everyone grew up to want to be like, yeah, you want to be famous, but you want to be a famous actor or a famous musician or a famous dancer or a famous, you know, pilot or something. But you, you have a craft, you have a, a, an ability. And don't get me wrong, it does take an ability to be a YouTuber and an and and and, you know, influencer and stuff like that. You know, you're not just latching on for no reason. People do have talents. But for me, it's just, it's crazy to see these people make, like, like the TikTokers now where, where they're just doing, I don't, under, I'm not on TikTok, but I see people doing this. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you doing? And they're making bank, Millions. like yeah. money. Serious bank. And then you've got incredible dancers like ballet, jazz, like modern R&B, hip hop, people who've trained and been to schools and like lessons and they've put all their savings into it, super qualified. Yeah. And they're living like paycheck to paycheck because they can't even like get that kind of following like within like an ounce of, of what they, they get on, the, on TikTok and things like that. It's, it blows my mind. It really does. I'm with you. And I think it's got to a point, even the entertainment industry, I noticed in Australia, they were doing advertisement because I've got friends in the industry and it was like, you can only apply for these auditions if you've got 50,000 followers and stuff like that. And I'm like, what is this world coming to? Like, it's, that's I, I, I was in a show and they nearly didn't give this actor um, the role who was best for the role hmm. because he didn't have a social media. So he had to get Twitter in order to be hired. Like that was a, a, a thing. And I was just like, what? Because you got to look at nowadays. I mean, I'm an absolute media whore when it comes to pimping my show. I mean, this, this is my press area. So that's yeah. why this is all up on the, the walls. I'm doing press all day, every day at the moment. So I just set this up and it's just good to go. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the, one of the most expensive parts of making a movie or a TV show is the PR and marketing afterwards. And it's placing that product, you know, in the eyes of, of the consumer, um, be that on commercials, billboards, across social media, but it costs money, yeah. a lot of money. One way around that is to have people with followings who can just post for free. It's free advertising for them. So, yeah. you know, I can post something and they, they're getting instant kind of media coverage because I've put something out there online um, and I have, you know, whatever following I have. So it's, it's crazy how the industry is going and, and following, you know, COVID and the pandemic, the whole industry shifting, you know, no one's going to movie theaters and things like that. So the industry is kind of shifting to streaming very much um, because we can't have crowds right now. And so, you know, it's, it's a very unstable kind of world right now when it comes to, to my industry. Uh, and it's all, always moving. And you kind of have to, you know, evolve or, or, or perish, unfortunately. So um, that's why, I mean, that's why I don't follow anyone on my Instagram. I constantly get this question, like, you don't follow anyone on your Instagram. Why? You think you're so cool and hot. And who do you think you are, Beyonce? Yeah. And I'm like, no, I just hate social media. But like, you've got a good answer for this because I've heard you say this before, whether at the gym. And I, I you <laughs> it perfectly because you associate it to you just need to know who your closest and nearest and dearest are, don't you? So you, you ring them. Well, that's the thing. It's like, don't get me wrong. I play the game because I know that 
I need to push what projects I'm doing. I need to push my truth out there if anything comes out. I need to, well, I don't need to, but I, love, I like putting out positivity and, and, and light and love. But at the end of the day, social media is only posting the highlight reel of people's lives. Don't get sucked into people thinking that they're living these perfect lives. No one's living a perfect life. I, you, I'm not posting me like, crying into some ice cream like what after i've had a bad day or i, I feel tubby or you know i didn't get the role i wanted like yeah i, I felt i fell down the stairs the other day <laughs> it cracked me <laughs> i was i was, i came down i'm doing what i always do i carry too much and so i had a tray and i had a glass of orange juice and i was coming down the stairs and I was wearing socks. I don't know why, because I'm normally barefoot. I'm in the house. I never leave the house. <laughs> and I slipped down the stairs. And she, and you, know, you know where you're like, and you hit every step on the way down. I'm like, and so I hit every step. And I just lay there. But I hadn't spilled a single drop of my orange. And I'm just like lying at the bottom of the stairs with this tray of food like on my chest, holding my glass up, kind of just like laughing to myself, just like feeling sorry, going, ah, oh, fucking, uh, it's going to leave a mark. Oh. And I just lay there feeling sorry for myself for like about 20 seconds before I got up. Just like, just like, I just need a minute. I just, I just need a minute. Like. As if that's that, like that's the worst thing in my life. I fell down the stairs, but like I'm okay. Relax. But the funny thing is, is when I actually eventually got to, to sit down on the sofa in front of the TV, as I sat down, I've missed the chair and spilled my orange juice all down my face and all down my front. I saved it. Like literally, must have been like 15 steps. I I, I fell down. Not a drop. I got to sit down on the sofa, straight down my face, all down my front. I was just like, I was just meant to be thirsty that day. I, just, I was just not meant to, meant to have a drink. I was just going to say, did it not take you back of your uh, cat reflexes if you ever went out when you was younger and you was drinking and you managed to fall, but all that pint was always in its full. <laughs> Someone bumped oh, but, you and it's No, like... <laughs> I, I, I don't drink now. I've not drunk for like 10 years. Um, but I, only, I never liked beer, champagne, lager um wine i only ever drank shots so i never had a drink in my like whenever you saw me out you would never see me with a drink in my hand because it was gone wow uh, <laughs> was you a cheap date then <laughs> but that's the problem i was you know i i was a sportsman so i was i was big you know stuff like that but i we're, we're british so we drink you know it, it it you you start to develop a kind of like immunity <laughs> So I just used to just smash stuff back. And when I come to America, none of them drink like the British drinks. So like the Sambucas and the, and the you know, the Jaeger bombs and things like that. So I come over here and I'm smashing back Sambucas. They're not used to that sort of drink. They're falling <laughs> all over the place. I end up like with one friend over this shoulder, this, another friend over this shoulder. I'm like the designated, you know, bodyguard to get them home. Oh, it's terrible. Man. We, we definitely give the Brits a bad name in America. <laughs> you know, every time I go over there, like I'm going to get into some serious questions soon, mate. <laughs> it's just too much fun. I know. What are we actually talking about? We're just talking about getting smashed. This is what we do, though. But <laughs> it's every time I go over there, and somebody was like, like you know, a couple of them from Gold's Gym, and I got really good friends, and I was like, 
oh, let's go out for drinks and that. And they was like, like, I don't drink. I mean, like, dinner and just a, a couple of drinks with yeah. them. And that. I haven't drunk since we had our first child and got, like, um, I had a, a pint. My wife had one glass of wine. The babysitter went home. We've got no family here. We had a screaming baby and was like, never again. Never to see since. And he's now nine years old. <laughs> but everyone in LA, I was like, okay, what time should we meet? Like 5, 6 p.m.? And they're like, what are you talking about? We'll meet about 11, we'll have a couple of drinks, then we'll go for dinner. And I'm like, I'm normally tucked up in bed by at least 10, 11 p.m. <laughs> what are you talking about? And they start their nights at like 11 p.m. And I'm like, I just, yeah, I don't get that. I still, I still can't do that. And now I'm a dad, I can't do it even more, but. I don't even have that. I, I don't even have that excuse. Like I find it great, like you, man, congrats on, on your family. And I love, you know, wish you nothing but love, health, happiness, and success with, with that. But I find it strange that my friends are having babies on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> on purpose. It's so weird because I still feel like a child. I still feel like I'm at university. I had chocolate for breakfast. I don't live a normal life. I'm a child. I shouldn't be alone. I oh, shouldn't be left to my own devices. You know what, though? I've got I've, Lincoln is now eight and Leighton's just turned two. And I sat with oh. my wife the other day and like we're watching Leighton and she's like, they're totally different. He's placid. Um, and we didn't name Lincoln after you, but we love that name. You did. It's okay. You can say did. it. Did. We'll say that. Um, but my little he girl, <laughs> my little girl, she's like got a mind of her own. And me and my wife sat there the other day and I was like, do you actually feel like a parent? I can't look after myself. And we've got two kids. So it doesn't stop, mate. Does not stop, but yeah, I, I, I guess so. I, I want to ask you a serious question now. So I saw something when I reached out to you again for the podcast because I, I thought it was really, really good. And attesting to obviously imperfectly perfect and talking about imperfections and like you're saying, like nobody's perfect. You put something the other day that was really, really profound. And you put, you think you know me, who I am, my thoughts, my beliefs, race, race, dream, struggles. The same way I know nothing about you, you have no clue who I am unless you have spent time with me. We are always so quick to comment, judge, and assume without knowing people or their struggles. And this is everything about the campaign because it's like, unless you've walked a mile in someone else's shoes. So I always say, everyone thinks they know Ricky Whittle, the persona, what you've done, the highlight reels. Tell us about that Lancashire lad with his dreams and everything that you've had to go through to get where you are. In good time, mate, I don't want like, you'd be like, how long, how long have we got? <laughs> I mean, how long have I got? You know, one of, the, one of the things I have to say is that there are certain things that I've never kind of, like, we, we live in a very kind of strange industry where people feel like they've got an ownership over you and your characters. They feel like they own you and they've got a right to tell you who you are and you have to fit into their definitions and you have to fit into what you know they think you are and what they need you to be for them um, yeah. without any consideration of you and your life and your struggles. I mean, we look at the incredible Chadwick Boseman recently just passing from, from cancer. Before, he, before that was found out, social media, bloggers galore were ripping into him for losing weight and saying he needs to put weight on if he thinks he's going to play Black Panther again and all this sort of stuff. And I don't like him losing weight, he looks sick, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that kind of insensitivity is what's wrong with social media and people nowadays. A lot of, most of the time, your, your opinions aren't warranted. Nobody needs that opinion. Everyone feels like they've got, you know, an opinion that they have to share with the world. You know what, sometimes you don't. Yeah. You know, especially when you don't know what people are going through. To the point where 
I will go and I'll see someone with road rage in the street. And I'm like, no worries, bro. You do you on your way. Because I don't know. He could be rushing home to a, a, a house fire. His wife's pregnant, having a baby. Or he could be on his way to murder someone. I don't know. Whatever it is, it's nothing to do with me. And I'm not going to let that influence me and mess my day up. You know, it's, and it, it comes from, um, it starts from the parents at the end of the day. You know, I, I feel very blessed in life. I'm a very positive, happy person. My parents aren't together. They're divorced. They divorced when I was at university. Uh, so I was old enough to understand that people can just fall out of love. People can drift apart and whatever reasons they were, it's th their business. Um, you know, it, it happens, but I was born out of love. You know, I'm, people are very quick to kind of define me as, as this and that, but I'm a biracial man. My mother, Maggie, is a beautiful Caucasian, blonde, blue-eyed woman. My, my queen, my everything. I'm a mama's boy. My dad is my idol. Big, powerful, black, brown-eyed Jamaican king. He is my, my superhero growing up. I even took him to like a show and tell at school because he's in the Royal Air Force. Mm. And to me, he was a superhero. He flew helicopters, you know? Like, when we were kids, we, very, we saw very little of my dad. Um, and so every now and then, he would fly the helicopter over the house, because uh, we live all in the, in the Royal Air Force, you live on an Air Force base, and so everyone's, you know, there. But he'd fly his helicopter over the house, circle, shine a spotlight onto the house and in the garden and things like that. Or if it was during the day, he'd just circle, and then not off off on whatever he was doing, just to let his to let his kids know that even though he's not really around, he's always watching. You know, he's there, and it might not have even been him. Yeah. You know, he might have got one of his friends to go. Listen, just give a quick loop around my house, will you, and shine a light, just so my kids think it's me. You know, if he was too busy or doing something else. But it's just kind of that mentality that my dad had of of thinking of others, of thinking how other people feel and what they need and I feel that's something that's been inherited from my parents I'm also a big brother I'm the eldest of three my, my little brother Chris and my, my, my youngest uh, sister Deborah I've always had this kind of big brother mentality and, and a need to kind of look after them which has kind of moved on to to my work you know as, as I become the lead of of a show I'm very protective and I kind of get very kind of big brotherly with my with my cast and, and my crew and i look out for them i you know i when i see them yeah i try I, I walk in always smiling i'm bouncing around i'm always dancing cracking jokes you know we'll, we'll I'll, I'll order kind of you know food trucks and burger trucks and ice cream trucks every now and then just to keep the morale up because you know it's about just having fun and loving life we're in a very privileged industry and so i kind of feel like that mentality came from always looking out for my brother and sister because i wanted them to have you know, a great time. And so I came from a house full of love. I was very fortunate, very lucky. Um, we were not the richest at all. You know, I came from, you know, I'm, I'm brought up in Oldham and all sorts. You know, I've, I've seen some stuff. Uh, I've seen some very bad stuff uh, that I don't need to go into, but I definitely had some dark times when I was a kid. Um, so to the point where I was very much on the edge when, I, when we lived in Northern Ireland, uh, Belfast, uh, just outside of Belfast. I used to have a proper Northern Irish accent. I used to talk like that 24-7, so I did. I was talking that on. <laughs> but like, I, used to, I used to go back to my grandma and she'd be like, why are you talking like that? And I'd be like, I'm not sure what you're talking about. I sound normal. 
Uh, but I was very close. I was on the edge, you know, because, you know, when you get to certain ages, sometimes you rebel and you're, 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 you're mixed with wrong crowds and stuff like that. And I was just always fighting. Um, you know, I was an English kid in an Irish school. I was a Catholic in a Protestant school. I was a soccer player in a rugby school. Uh, you know, just everyone. I, I, was, I was a black kid in a white school. You know, like every day someone wanted to fight. And, you know, it, it wears you down. I never started a fight, but I definitely finished a lot, you know. <laughs> and I'd get into group fights and all sorts of stuff. And, and you know, we, we ended up moving, as you do every three years in the Royal Air Force. And it was when I got to Reading, uh, Berkshire. And I just kind of had, had to, I, I, as a kind of 16-year-old lad, I kind of decided nobody knows me here. Nobody knows my past. No one knows what I've been doing or who I am or anything. It's clean say, let's start again. Let's, let's try something different. Mm. Um, and I've, I'm really proud of the kid that made that choice. As a 16-year-old, making that choice to go, you know what? That was a tough time. We can be better. We can do better. And uh, that was a very conscious choice to change the direction of my life and to focus on the positivity instead of the negativity. Um, and so I just tried to be the good guy. I, you know, I, I, you know I, I continued to be that big brother and look out for people, but without the aggression, without the fighting, without the kind of looking for trouble or the, or the need to prove myself. I feel like when I was younger, I was always trying to prove that I was the alpha, mm. prove that I deserved to be there. Um, um, and then, you know, you kind of just grow from there. It's, it's as you get older, you get more experience. You realize what's important in life. Um, your circles get smaller. You know, as you get older, you, you, you very rarely have the same friends you had at school and university and things like that. As you get older, you, you know, your circles get tighter and tighter. And so when it, like when I say I, I, with social media, I don't follow anyone because, you know, the people that I am close to, if I want you to see something, I'm going to call you. I'm going to text you. And same to me, me you know, you'll, you'll, you'll speak to me. You'll text me, you know, or you'll, or you'll FaceTime me or you'll send me something if you want me to see it. You know, the whole world doesn't need to see all my life. And so, you know, I've got a very, very tight circle of, of very few people, probably less than 10 people, to be quite honest, that I constantly am, am in contact with that. We're from before kind of American gods, obviously I'm still in contact with the, the cast pretty much every other day. Um, but as you, as the careers kind of d developed and done well, I just felt more of a need to push that positivity and that light and love, realizing that my life could have been very different if I had continued to, you know, yeah. follow a darker path, a, a more aggressive path, a negative path, a, a path where I felt like I had to prove something. Um, I was always in competition with everyone else. And I eventually figured out as I got older, the only competition is with myself yeah. and being the best version of myself that I can be and be a better version of me and be better than I was yesterday or last year. And that's all I'm doing is just trying to outdo myself, um, you know, because it's apples and oranges. I don't need to look at this person, that person and see the career that they're having and the things that they've got, you know, just, what do I want? You yeah. know, and I need to focus on my dream and focus on me and do you. And I feel that 
it's so hard to do when you're younger because you're so influenced by everything else. And, and especially now where we've got social media. I don't know what I'd be like if, if I had social media when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Like when we were kids, there was, there was no Twitter and Instagram and stuff like that. I didn't even have a mobile phone until I was probably about 18. Um, <laughs> when it used to be, what was it, worm or something? That thing, that worm. Oh, yeah. And you were just like, just, just throw, oh, black and white, like digital yeah. screens. <laughs> it was outrageous. But yeah, I mean, as I got older, I just realized it's, it's all about just do you, you know? And the more, I, I, I was speaking to um, one of the writers actually of American Gods, Nick, um, fantastic dude. And I was telling him one thing that I've, I've, said, I've said recently and he was like, that really hit me when you said this. And I said, you're a ship on the ocean and just don't let any water in. If you let neg- negativity in, you're gonna let that ship sink. You know, you're a ship on the ocean. It doesn't matter how big that ocean is, how much negativity is out there. Don't let it in because as soon as you start to let that in, that's when your ship can sink. If you don't let any of that negativity in, your ship is going to float true for as long as you need it to. And it doesn't matter what's out there. And that's that's the toughest thing is people that you don't even know can have an opinion and can reach into your life and throw you sideways. They can, they can say, I don't like your hair, you look fat, you, you're, you're a crap actor, you're this. And I can choose to respond, I can re- choose to think about that, I can choose to let that into my ship, or I can plug that hole and just dust that water off the side. You know, no one's sinking my ship, man. It's, it's, it's all about me living my life, keeping my, my, my friends close and my family, and, and making sure they're good and just focused on doing me. And it's, it's the toughest thing to do in the world is, is to not be swayed by everyone else. You know, what everyone thinks of me, it's none of my business. I love that attitude. Cause I always say as well, it's like, if you do something and it fails, you're always going to have that person going, I told you that wouldn't work. If you succeed, yeah. you've changed as a person or you're not, you're not who I used to think you were. So you can't win either way. So just do you. I've, no, I've never been criticized by anyone who's doing better than me. Exactly, yeah. Anyone who's doing better than me is focused on their dreams, chasing their, 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 you know, their perfect lives and stuff, and focused on what they're doing. Yeah. The only people who will criticize me are those that are insecure, projecting their fears, their, their instability of, of their own lives, their inadequacy, you know, their jealousy. It's people who don't look a certain way, haven't achieved anything, don't have this, don't have that. And they're looking at you thinking, how dare you have a great life? Or mm. how dare you be happy? You know? So just ignore it. You know, it's hurt people hurt people. So yeah. just, if you can, and it's the hardest thing to do, don't even respond. Just block it out. It's not important. Focus on you, man. Because none of these people know you. Nobody knows you. And, and nobody knows me. I mean, we've, we spoke... You know, we, we've known each other for years. You know me. So if you tell me something, I'm going to listen. Mm. But Joe Bloggs or whatever it is off, off, off social media says something, you know, you're a crap actor. I'm like, really? How many Oscars have you got? Because I'm not really bothered by your opinion. <laughs> you know, even, even, even critics, you know, you'll have, you'll have these critics kind of going, ah, oh, this, this actress or this actor, this performance and this, I don't know. And then you're like, I don't remember watching any of your films. See, that's one question I like to ask, like, because with critics, when they pan things, I'm almost like, 
I once heard an actor friend of mine that was watching somebody in a movie um, and they was like, oh, I wondered where that person had gone. Oh, but this movie's not been billed really high. And I was like, they're working. Like, they've got bills to pay. I was like, what, what the bloody hell? <laughs> Everyone nah, it's quick it, to judge. And I was like, wow. Well, you, you, the thing is, you never know. Again, as we're circling back. You never know someone's journey. You never know why they look as, like, as an actor, I'm not in control of my image. So if I grow my hair, cut my hair, grow my beard, cut my beard, gain weight, lose weight, um, dye my hair, whatever it is, change my accent, you don't know if that's for a role. Mm. Or you don't know in anyone's world if it's a health thing, if it's a personal thing, if it's a religious thing. You don't know what's going on in people's lives. But at the end of the day, what's it going to do with you? Who cares? Let them live their life. You know, it's, it, it's crazy. And when people take jobs, sometimes they take a job because someone's asked a favor. Someone wants, some, a friend's just got, like I literally was just speaking to someone today about a movie. Um, and you know, you've got quotas and stuff, your prices are certain things and you know, you've got standards or you've got brands and stuff like that. And I will do his movie in a heartbeat. Yeah. Because he's a good guy. Like, don't get me wrong. He's, he's an incredibly successful guy. And I'm like, you want to be, a, you want to be working with this guy because he's fantastic. It's not always a guaranteed hit, but at the end of the day, there's certain people and certain things that you do for various reasons, you know, and you're not looking for a blockbuster every time. Sometimes, you know, in the industry, they say, you know, do one for your wallet, one for your soul. Yeah. You know, you, you need stuff to pay the bills. And that could be a reason too. A lot of people have kids. A lot of people have, you know, bills to pay. And especially after a pandemic, good, you're going to see people in all sorts of movies and TV shows popping up. Everyone, everyone's unemployed at the moment, so everyone needs a job. So you're going to see people all over, all over the place trying to make that money, pay those bills. But, you know, a lot of, like I say, a lot of times it's, it's, it's favors, it's friends doing things for other people, or it's people trying to branch out into different things. You know, you're the, the funny guy. All of a sudden, no, you know what? I want to do that serious and independent movie or vice versa. You know, you, you, know you see, I'm, I, 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 sorry, mate, I'm trying to hold it in, but like you're, you're talking and I'm like, it's so grounded and it's got it all together. Then all that keeps coming into my head is these stairs with this orange <laughs> juice <laughs> and eating chocolate for breakfast. And I'm like, all right, mate. <laughs> I'm, I'm never changing, mate. I'm never changing. I'll be 60 years old still eating chocolate. I'm a child. I live <laughs> like a child. Oh. I don't care. I'm okay with it. Oh. Because at the end of the day as well, you also think that, I'm because I'm not working right now. Yeah. Because we're still focused on season three of American Gods, and then uh, you know a, a season four. When I am filming, like Jason Momoa got ripped last year for a photograph on the beach, looking out of shape. They're like, "Where's his abs?" Mm. That he's got a dad bod. I'm like, there are dads around. There are people who aren't even dads around the world who would love Jason Momoa's off-season body. <laughs> yeah. He's, he, he's, it's not his job to be shredded 24-7 all year round. You know, when you're working, your discipline has to be so strong because what people don't realize is when people are, are, are fit, you know, when the women, you know, look the way they do and the guys are looking, you know, Chris, you see Chris Hemsworth training right now for uh, Hulk Hogan and, and the next Thor and stuff. When I'm filming my 18-hour days with, with this, this cast and stuff, they're incredibly talented, amazing, love them. 
So we film our 18 hour days and then they go home and they learn lines. I do that too. Mm. Out on top of that, an extra hour and a half to two hours of training on top of that. So while they're tucked up in bed sleeping, we have to then go and hit the gym because the physicality is a part of that role. You know, yeah. you have to look a certain way. You either have to be big or, sh or shredded or this or certain, you know, different things because of your character or your role. So, you know, when I'm filming American Gods for <clears throat> four to seven months, whatever it, that may be, you need three things to maintain that physique. You need a good diet, nutrition, um, you need to train, and you need sleep. When you're filming, you can only really have two of them. Yeah. Now, all day, every day, I had an assistant who would sort out my diet and come to me with chicken or beef and counting my calories. And so I had my, that was maintained. But there are only so many hours in the day. And you then have to choose, am I going to sleep today or am I going to train today? Wow. Because on top of your 18-hour days and your, you're learning your lines, you then have to also get in that, 30 minute fasted cardio in the morning before before filming and then your hour at, at, at lunch or after you're filming wherever you can fit that in you know it's it's crazy you know sometimes what 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 actors have to go through and they get absolutely no credit for it they just think that you got that role because you're just in shape you know you just wake up like that and and you know in the gym you, you can't see in the gym it's a lot of discipline to to maintain a certain shape and when you're not sleeping and you're exhausted from learning lines and stuff like it, it, get, it gets a lot. So I've got props to props to Chris Hemsworth and all those like the big guys, you know, doing, you know, some real work out there. Dwayne Johnson's and don't get me wrong. They're getting paid silly money. Yeah. But it's still hard for them. Don't don't get it twisted. You know, they've still got families that they've got to also maintain. I, I literally wake up and I eat chocolate I, and I sit and watch the footy. <laughs> yeah. But I, you know what? I, you've just said something there that I hadn't even realized. I, like, I've been listening to everyone's stories as, I, as I've gone through and, and chatted with people, but even you going into in-depth there with the roles like that, I had no idea. I mean, I spoke to Bobby Holland Hadton, who's like Chris Hemsworth's body double, is an amazing guy. And he started going into that stuff as well and how being a stunt double, like I think he broke his back and he had to get his fitness back as well as his sleep, as well as his training, as well as learning. And, I'm like, bloody hell, and people don't see this stuff. No, there's, there's a lot of stuff that people don't yeah. realize, you know, and, and when they look at, on a screen and it's like, oh, that person looks a little tired or blah, blah, blah. It's like, I'm not surprised, you know. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a lot of pressure, you know, and don't get me wrong, women have it even worse, you yeah. know, because they've got to look, you know, flawless, you know, 24-7. It's, it's ridiculous kind of as soon as they're off camera, they're supposed to maintain this Oscar-winning, you know, look. Like, you're, you're, you're slight an actress because she's nipped to the store in, in her sweats and no makeup and her hair tied up. And it's like, how about she's just being herself and she shouldn't have to kind of dress up for you, you know? Like, she's not here to entertain you and to look great 24-7. She does look great because yeah. she's working like crazy and she's just gone to the store and people would die to look like her look you know may it's uh un unmade up and and you know the dudes don't have it as much like on our off days because we can look scruffy but when people went after momoa i was like i'll oh, give him a behave that's just 
body shaming at its worst. It's crazy, you know. You Guys and girls, um, when you're not filming, do you, man. Do you. So when I'm not filming, you're eating more all chocolate. the ice cream, all <laughs> the ice cream, all the chocolate. No. I'm a child. <laughs> well, they did, they did it with, uh, there was a, a thing of uh, Zac Efron. He came over to Australia and they put him in the press and he just got no abs. And everyone's like go, talking about it. And I'm going, dad bod? That ain't a bloody dad bod. Like, seriously, everyone would kill for his body or anyone. Like, we, to this whole point, like, I think I've told you my story before. Like, six, seven years ago, being in the health and fitness sector, I thought I had to look like that. So I got body dysmorphia. So to the point where mine was to my detriment. And then when I opened up about it, which is a testament to why I'm so passionate about this and then losing a friend, but it was so prevalent in the fitness industry because they think they have to look a certain way and it doesn't really make you happy. So I always say now, obviously the campaign, lead by your imperfections, which is going to say to you, what does being imperfectly perfect mean to you, Ricky? Imperfectly perfect means... <clears throat> Everyone's perfect the way they are. And I feel that in a world of social media and appearance and blah, 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 where we're, con we're afraid to post a picture without a filter on, um, be yourself. Be that imperfect person because if you constantly put out this fake highlight reel image of yourself, you're only going to attract people who don't really care or don't realize they don't care about you. If you put your imperfect self out there, whatever size, shape, age, look, belief, whatever it is you're into, put your true self out there, then the people that you come, that, that come to you, even if it's a smaller group of people, it's people that are coming to you because they like the true self, the true person that you're putting out there so that you know that those people really love you without you having to put on a song and dance, without you having to put the makeup on, without you having to be the shredded, Jack do it without you having to be Mr. Entertainment, the funny guy, constantly holding the room. You know, if you're insecure and you're sad and you have bad moments, then that's a big shock. If you're just this constant funny guy on, on screen of over bar, and then all of a sudden you're a completely different person, and all these people are like, mm, that's not what I thought you were like. So just just be you. Just be you because you're all perfect the way you are. We're all unique. We're all from different backgrounds. We've all, we're all different builds, ages, sexual orientations, religions, beliefs. You know, we're, we're black, white, Latin, LGBTQ, we're native. We're all special, every single one of us. And we're special for someone and people that will, that will really truly embrace that instead of the fake highlight reel that we always want to push forward. That's not us. You know, be you. Be the imperfect, perfect person for someone. Mate, absolutely love that. And I've got one more question for you, so I'm not taking much of your evening up. But um, I'm going. I'm going straight to bed after this. This is cr it's nearly eight p.m. here. I am <laughs> long in bed by now. I'm such a boring. See, this is another thing. People are like, he's a young, you know, successful dude in Hollywood. He's probably like, you know, hitting the club parties. You know, supermodels. I'm like. No, I'm going to have a cup of green tea and I'm in bed by 8 p.m. <laughs> You've just actually prompted a question there really quickly because what I've learned a lot and people always attest, they see highlight reels, they see you on shows and everyone else on shows and that. 
Are you traditionally an extrovert or an introvert? Do you enjoy your own time when you're not on screen? See, this is the thing. My, my manager actually pulled me on this. She said, I actually gain energy from other people. She said, she said you're an energy suck. I, she was like, I thought you were an extrovert. Yep. But you actually gain energy from people so it's, it feels like you're giving energy. And she's like, you do. You give so much of yourself to everyone and the fans. And you're just 100 miles an hour and you love life. But you also get it from people. Because when you're by yourself, you do kind of come back. And she's like, you're so secure in yourself, like being alone. And during this quarantine and pandemic, I'm more than happy to sat you know, in my routine, I wake up and I train and I, I watch TV and I'll play, play some music, I'll paint, I'll, I'm learning, you know, me hablo espanol, me entiendo espanol, and I'm, uh, I'm learning sign. You know, I, I'm just trying to come out of this better than when I went in. So I'm, I am both, which is a cheesy answer. I'm definitely an extrovert, but I'm just, I am very comfortable kind of having my quiet time. I don't need attention. I don't need to be the center of attention. I don't need to, like a lot of people work to be seen and they, they work to be a famous this and they want to do this. I'm working to disappear, to be quite honest. You know, I, I would love to disappear, you know, and, and, and have my close people. And to the point where I come off social media, I don't need social media because I'm texting my boy, Glenn. I'm texting, you know, my family and friends. If you need to speak to me or you come around and, and I, I just spend that time with people that are close to me and dear to me. Um, so yeah, a little bit, a little bit of both. I, I, I kind of pussied out on that, on that answer. No, you know what? It's good though. I, I've just found there's a lot of people who say very much the similar thing. It's like they, they, have really enjoyed this time in COVID in retrospect to go deep in themselves, learn more about themselves and to develop everything else. But on, they do like being around people as well. So yeah. No, I, 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 I missed, I missed the touch cause I am a touchy feely person. Like mm. I love, I miss a good cuddle, you know, I lo- you know, I like, do you not find like right northern now, there, mate. you've still got the Northern cuddle. Oh, I love, 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 I love me a cuddle. Hey, up me duck. Um, everything will be right. <laughs> like I used to like go up and like hug people and like and be like, hey, how's it going? Even people I didn't even know. Like you'd be like, like you'd be like, oh, this is my friend Sarah or and John. I'd be like, oh, how's it going? How you doing? I'm Ricky. You know, you know what? You want everyone to feel great and stuff like that. Yeah. Now I feel like you're bumping into your ex boyfriend or girlfriend where you just don't know if to touch people and you're just like, hey, sup. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. this pump now, isn't it? Everyone's doing this. It's not, it's not even that because yeah. people don't want to even touch. So it's, it's that awkward conversation with an ex where you just, if you bumped into your ex-girlfriend with her new partner and you're just like, hey, how are you, how's it going? You good? From a distance? You good? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> what's what's going on here? Are, are we going to sh- no, are we No. Space is good. <laughs> oh, man. So tell us, lastly, what, what's next for your project, obviously, with American Gods? And you know what? We, uh, we finally got Amazon back here. So we're on, don't tell us too much because we're on the second season. Um, and I was actually very surprised at how, how strong that show was. Like the first opening stuff, I was like, 
whoa, okay. Like, it's so, so good and powerful. The bar fight, bloody hell. See, see, for me, season one was epic. Brian Fuller and Michael Green are incredible. Mm. I mean, Brian Fuller did, you know, Hannibal, so that's kind of got those beautiful visuals and all the blood and stuff. Yeah. Um, and you got Michael Green who did, like, Logan, you know, um, which is possibly one of my favorite films at the moment. Um, but, you know, the Wolverine one, Wolverine with Heart. It yeah. was a beautiful film. And so what they did was, was really fantastic. In season two, we changed showrunners. Um, and I'm not supposed to say it, but being British and Northern, I like to tell the truth, no matter what in the industry. I'm like, I don't think it was as good as season one. <laughs> <laughs> but if I lie about everything, people aren't gonna believe me when I tell the truth. So yeah. for me, when I say season three jumps again, and I think the quality is better in season three than it was in season two, because we just didn't have the right writers. I'm not saying they weren't as good, our show is very specific in genre, um, and I think you can be a great writer, but just not a great writer for this show. Mm -hmm. And for me, season three, we brought in this fantastic creative team with, with Charles Egley, who did Dexter, uh, Walking Dead. He's done all these kind of incredible things. Season two was a very inexperienced showrunner and writing team. Um, but season three, he brought me in, but, you know, for the beginning and um, in the writing room, and seeing them all work in the writing room that. You know, we're, we're, in a, we're living in a world full of kind of black squares where everyone, all networks and shows and, and, and companies are posting, you know, black voices, minority voices, female-led, you know, voices, let's amplify minorities and things like that. There's one thing talking about it. There's another thing seeing some action. Charles Egley, Neil Gaiman, American Gods in season three are facilitating that change, not only on camera with the likes of, you know, we've got, I mean, on, the, on this show, you've got like Yatidi Badaki, Omid Abtahi, Ashley Reyes. We've got Dominique Jackson, uh, Leela Lauren. We've got um, Danny Trejo. You know, we've got some incredible kind of people coming in, but they have that kind of diversity off camera as well. Yeah. You know, we have a writing room, which is roughly 10% cisgendered, white, straight male. The rest is LGBTQ, black, white, biracial, native, men, women. You know, it's formerly incarcerated because they want as much representation and authentic kind of representation as possible. And, and that diversity is so important now in, in this time. And so season three really does pop. Um, and we've got some great storytelling. I feel like season two was a lot of people like talking at each other, like having these long monologues and speeches, these audition pieces. Um, where you're just like waiting for the person. And, and they're great. And, the, the, you know, the, the, the information's fantastic. But in season three, people actually have conversations like that you follow and you're like more engaged with because you, it's a normal situation, you know. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting to season three. I, I, when you get to season three, get back to me. Um, you're doing it the right way. You're going to be able to binge all the way through season three, which is going to be fun. You know, um, it's, uh, you, you've brought me and my wife together more times than not with 100 and then obviously now American Gods, mate, and she's just nicked out for Lincoln and you made her a video last time in Gold's gym, remember? <laughs> he was like, when you come over to Gold's? And um, yeah, I was like, if you're here before, before you go for kids, I'm going to, and she'd be so, man, she loved you in 100. She was like, oh, uh, hell did they have to kill him off that bloody show? They had to kill me because I wanted to leave. <laughs> no, I, you know what? I was doing my research before and I actually read that. But, um, and it was your mum yeah. again. 
you're, you're well, queen. My, my mum, Mama Bear. Don't mess with Mama Bear. She's the one that blew the whole thing up. Like, I know. I saw it on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, I just wanted to, I just wanted to leave the show. You know, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to get out of a bad situation. I want to go and do me. Warner Brothers and, and CW were really good about it. They were like, no, fine. You know, we'll let you go and audition for stuff and, and leave at the end of the season. Yeah. And then I booked American Gods and it was great. But then the show when I like went and rewrote that episode and killed me there and then as soon as he found out I was the lead in this. Wow. Uh, and my mum, like my mum knew everything. And when she saw that this dude was getting credit, she was like, this guy did not kill off my son. Like my son chose to leave because you're a dick. <laughs> <laughs> it was just mama bear looking out for her, you know, her, her son. And, and yep. you, I, I'll never blame her for that i'll never call her out for that you know she, she can do and what she's telling the truth so you know if she was lying or embellishing then i'd be like mom come on could you you're making my life real tough <laughs> but but she's a northern lass you know she's from oh. manchester she's like i tell you what like if he was if he were in my face you'd get one oh, um man. you know she, she's that. the best she's the best man i love i love my mom i'm a mama's boy i love love my fam love my life life is good brother man i, I, I actually I, need to quickly apologize when you do watch ep uh, episode five in season three, my character does an Australian accent, and I want to apologize to all of Australia. Yeah. Not good. I mean, I thought it was okay. I've been told it's not bad. <laughs> Emily Browning gave me the seal of approval. She thought it was funny. <laughs> Have you been out here yet? Have you been out Australia? <laughs> I've been out a couple of times. I love Australia. I always said if, if things didn't work out in America, or LA anyway, um, I was going to move to Australia because I love that country. You know, I love the people. I think they're very close to Brits. You know, they just mm. fun loving, just want to have a good time, chilled, hilarious, sarcasm. Mate, there's one word that they do not get. And I'll tell you really quickly, when I first came over here and somebody was like, Glenn, and I was like, what? And they was like, oh, and I was like, what? And they was like, you're a bit standoffish, aren't you? I was like, what do you want? And yeah, oh no, mate, it's pardon. I'm like, that doesn't even go in context because it's like, Ricky, pardon? It, it's, <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, exactly, I knew your face because I, did, I didn't get it. And they was like, oh, you know, when you say what, it comes across as quite passive aggressive. And I'm like, you said Glenn, I said what? Is that not normal? Like, because British people. It's a, it's a you're, you're asking what? It's short for what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> mate i was confused for ages when i first here and then i had to start saying pardon and then i met another british person i was like "Ooh, maybe don't say what <laughs> but that's the thing we it's 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 lost in translation it's the same in america you know you're just nipping outside for a fag and they're like wait whoa 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 we don't talk oh. like that you're like it's a cigarette cigarette yeah. you know in but america you're not allowed to call people mate neither are you i learned this there's a new application called clubhouse that i was on and um, I kept on Australian, everyone says mate. So I said it to this woman on there. I was just friendly and dear, and I was like, oh, thanks, mate, for sending that. And she said, you know, as I've got to know you, I need to say, why do you keep calling like me mate? I'm like, because we've got to know each other, and it's kind of Australians. You say, good day, mate, hey, mate, hey, mate. And she was like, oh, in, a, in America, it's almost like you're courting, like that's my mate. And I was like, oh, wow, I'm married. Sorry about that. <laughs> Whoa! I'll go to my thing. So, where can people uh, find more information about you, and what's what's next for you, mate? Don't ever go on Google. Don't 
Google me. <laughs> What's on Google? <laughs> uh, it's just funny. I'm just, I'm, all, I'm just always like, never believe what you read. It's, it's crazy. Um, but no, I'm on, I'm on Instagram as my name, just Ricky Whittle on Instagram. Um, and then on Twitter as Mr. Ricky Whittle, because someone had Ricky Whittle and then tried to sell me my, uh, my domain. And I was like, what? Wow. Yeah, they were like, I want 5,000. I was like, never going to happen. Two, nope, one, nope, 200 pounds. And I was like, you're not a very good negotiator. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody hell, seriously. Yeah. I was, uh, they, went, they literally went down to 200 pounds, and I was just like, I'm good. I'm Mr. Ricky Whittle now. I'm fine. <laughs> Bloody hell. Well, I just want to say, mate, on, on behalf of the campaign, on behalf of me, you're amazing. You're a legend, mate. So... Thank you very much for coming on, taking your time out. And uh, yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate it, buddy. Thank you for having me. Good luck with the campaign. I love, you've always got a good heart and you're thinking of others before yourself, man. And that's why, you know, we'll always kind of be reaching out to each other because you're good people and you've got to keep those good people close, man. So stay safe, stay blessed, love to the family. And uh, hopefully, you know, we, we catch up sooner rather than later. Well, mate, flights aren't taking off. <laughs> so I don't know. It's, it, it's like I will say when it was like I was seeing all these tweets and I was seeing all these people going, can't wait for 2020 to be over. 2021's around. I'm like, it's not just going to miraculously disappear, guy. <laughs> yeah. They're like, New Year, it's gone. It's fine. Oh, it's madness. But everybody that's listening, I'm going to be putting the links up shortly. So uh, make sure you go to Spotify, iHeartRadio, find the Imperfectly Perfect podcast to listen to this episode as well as all our latest episodes. But until next time, keep having the hard, hard conversations, guys. So that's what's going to keep saving lives. So thank you. To find out more about the Imperfectly Perfect campaign and how you can get involved, simply head to our official website at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org or email us today at info at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org to speak to one of the team. The Imperfectly Perfect campaign is creating awareness and is not a substitute for professional advice. Should you need help, please refer to your nearest crisis number.